been learning in the book of Ephesians these different identities that we have in Christ. We, we've learned that I am blessed, I am appreciated, I am saved. Today we're going to learn I am reconciled. I'm reconciled. Jesus has brought peace to our relationships. He's wanted to destroy the walls between each other and, and the wall between us and himself. You see, this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about God the Father looking down and realizing there was a wall of separation called sin between us and God. And he sent his son Jesus on a rescue mission and he sent him over the wall. And he reaches out his hand and says, if you will take my hand and put your faith in me, I will reconcile you back to my father. What is a marriage? You have one man, one woman, they're wanting to get married. He doesn't join her family, she doesn't join his family. They become one and they start a new family together. A new family. That is exactly what Paul's talking about. Jew and Gentile have come together in our faith in Jesus Christ and we've become a new family. There's no more wall dividing us and God or should be dividing us and each other. You're worried that she said she told him things. Things she couldn't tell anyone else. Secrets. You have a secret, but you don't want to tell me. That was quite a secret that young man had to share in, in, in that movie. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about secrets. I don't like them. Anybody like me, if somebody tells you they have a secret but they can't tell you, it like drives you bananas. Raise your hands. Yeah, I mean like you cannot stand it. I should not be telling you that secret about myself because if you really want to get your pastor going, just tell me that there's something you know you can't tell me and be ready for me to bug you about it because I, I just can't stand uh, secrets. Uh, they, they drive me crazy. And in that movie, that little boy had, had a secret. Do you all remember that movie, The Sixth Sense? Believe it or not, that came out like 14 years ago. And uh, I have teenagers now. And one of the cool things about having teenagers is you get to watch the old movies all over again. Because we were going through trying to choose a movie the other night. And I said Sixth Sense. And, and Caitlin, my daughter, was like, what's that? And I'm like, oh! You haven't seen The Sixth Sense? She's like, no. I'm like, oh, you got to watch it. You know, so we watched it. And we get to, to watch, watch her reaction and all that. Well, in, and there was that secret in that movie. I, I have a secret this morning. Uh, would you all like to know my secret? No? How, how many want to hear my secret? Okay. How many don't? Okay, most do. All right. But here's the deal. You're going to have to wait just a little bit. Yeah, till the end of the message, okay? So pay close attention and I'll tell you my secret at the end. And the reason we're talking about secrets is because Paul knew a secret. And he, he wanted to reveal that secret to us. And that's what he's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 3. If you haven't already, turn to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 today as we continue our study. 
um, through the book of Ephesians. That we're in the series, Who Do You Think You Are? We're learning about our identity in Christ. And today we're going to learn that our identity today is I am known. Uh, we have learned so far I am blessed, I am appreciated, I'm saved, I'm reconciled. Today, the secret is this, I'm known. And Paul had some good news. He wanted to tell us the secret. He didn't want to keep it to himself. Now, he doesn't use the word secret. He uses the word mystery in this chapter. He says, I I've got this mystery I want to tell you about. Three times in, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, we're going to look at today, he, he uses the word mystery. And if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the word mystery comes from the Greek word mysterion, and it means a sacred secret. Paul has this sacred secret, this mystery that he wants us to know about. Now, usually when we think about a mystery, we think of something that's spooky and eerie and unsolved and we can't figure it out. But that's not the way the Bible uses the word mystery. You see the word mystery several times uh, throughout the New Testament. And, and let me give you a kind of a working definition of what a mystery is biblically. You have this in your notes. A mystery is something that was in the Old Testament concealed, but is in the New Testament revealed to us today. It's something that in the Old Testament, Old Testament believers didn't understand it, but in the New Testament, it comes to light and, it, and it's revealed and they do understand. In the Old Testament, they didn't understand the mystery that God was going to become flesh and come to this earth as a man. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus, the, uh, the incarnate word, be, becoming, God becoming flesh. They didn't fully understand that in the Old Testament. Uh, there's the mystery of the fact that the church will one day be raptured, will be taken off the face of this planet, the believers at that time and we'll be with the Lord. That, that was a mystery they didn't understand in the Old Testament that's described in the New Testament. Well, the mystery we're looking at today in Ephesians chapter 3, this secret, this mystery that's being revealed, is it's, it's coming off of what we talked about last week, that Jews and Gentiles have become one in Christ. We become part of the same family, and we know it today, not as Jews and Gentiles, but we're called the what? The church. The body of Christ, the, the family of God. This was something that was unknown to the people of the Old Testament, but it is known to us today, and it's about us today. We are known. Our identity in Christ is something they didn't know and understand in the Old Testament. They do, we do understand now. We are Jew and Gentile, come together as one, and one family, one body, the church. That's the mystery. You see, in the Old Testament, it was just you were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. And everybody that's not a Jew is a what? A Gentile, which is most of us. But in the New Testament, we learn that we're no longer Jew and Gentile. We're, we're the church. It's kind of like if you're reading through the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament from beginning to end, and, and you're watching the panorama of the Bible unfold like a movie. It'd be like you're watching a movie on your DVR. And you're watching, and in the Old Testament, it's all about God's chosen people, Israel. It's all about Israel, and all this stuff God is doing, Israel, Israel, it's all about Israel. And then, don't you love this about a DVR? You can just pause it, and you can go do something else for a while, and then you can come back and push play. I mean, how did we live without DVRs and cell phones? I don't know how we made it. Well, in the Old Testament, if you're watching this movie play out, it's, you're watching, and it's all about Israel. And then God sends his son Jesus to this earth, and God puts Israel on pause. And for the last 2,000 years, what's been going on has been mainly about the church, about our faith in Christ, about the family of God. And one day, the church is going to be removed, it's going to be raptured, and God's going to push play again, and then it's going to all be about the nation of Israel again. Does that help you guys? 
That's kind of a panorama of the Bible. And so today, we live in this time where the mystery and the secret is known about the church. And it was very important to God that this mystery be known to different people. And we're going to look at four different groups of people today. First of all, this mystery of the church was to be made known to Paul, our writer of the book of Ephesians. Look at verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, For this reason I, who? Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Remember, Paul's writing this as a prisoner from Rome to the church in Ephesus. This was a group of Gentile people who had put their faith and trust in Christ. And he says in verse 2, he begins to reveal this mystery and this secret to them and how they play into it, how they're known as the church. He says, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Paul is saying, I was given the responsibility to share the gospel with the Gentile people. We'll talk more about that in a moment. How that by revelation, now watch this, he made what? He made known to me the mystery, the secret. As I have briefly written already, he mentioned this mystery in chapter 1, verse 9, but he didn't really go into detail like he is here. By which, verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He's like, I've got a secret. I've got a mystery And I'm going to reveal it. I'm going to tell you about it and how you're involved in it. It's about you. Which in other ages was not made known. They didn't understand this in the past to the sons of men as it has now been revealed or made known by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. God had revealed a a secret to Paul, a, a mystery. And Paul says, it's my responsibility to share this mystery and this secret with you. Paul took this responsibility very seriously to let this secret be known. You know, we've had a lot of fun in our services lately. We've kind of been on a roll about dogs and cats. And you guys have had a lot of fun emailing me and Facebooking me, all your proofs of why dogs are better or cats are better and all of that. And so I got one this last week that somebody put, put on Facebook. Uh, it's secrets and mysteries revol- uh, revealed about pet owners, dogs, okay? And and so I want to share this with you. Uh, This is called dog shaming. And these are owners of dogs. Their dog has a secret and they want to let this be known. And so here's a few of them. Zero days since the last toilet paper massacre. (laughs) Owners wanted to make sure that you knew that secret about this this pet. Zero days since I ate the cat litter. (laughs) Just look at that face. I mean, how could you get onto that face right there? Here's another one. I like to drink out of the toilet, but I wasn't planning on running into this complication. (laughs) Little secret revealed about that dog. Okay, two words, green marker. Look closely at his paws. (laughs) Green marker, okay? Here's another one. I ate my nine-year-old owner's art project. It had marshmallows on it. I couldn't resist. (laughs) I don't know which face I like better, the girls or the dogs. This is a great one. Look at this next one. Secret being revealed about this dog. My mom and dad have to duct tape the fridge or I will help myself to a sandwich. <laughs> just look, doesn't he just look guilty? Okay, and then here's my favorite one. I wear mom's clothes. <laughs> Secrets revealed from pet owners. You say, what does that have to do with Ephesians chapter 3? Not much, but I really wanted to get that in there today and have some fun with that. So Paul has this secret, this mystery that he's responsible to let people know about. And in verse 2, he uses this kind of a big Bible word, dispensation. He says, if you've heard of the dispensation that was given to me, what what does dispensation mean? You have this in your notes. It means stewardship. You say, okay, what does stewardship mean? 
Well, you know, used to when you would fly on an airplane, you would have stewardesses. Now they call them flight attendants. But back in the day, they were called stewards or steward, steward, uh, stewardesses. I'll get the word out here in a minute. And, and what the responsibility was that they took care of the people on the plane. They had a responsibility to care for the people. And Paul's using that word in this context. I, I have a stewardship. I have a dispensation. What he's saying is I have a responsibility. And my responsibility is to share the gospel with everyone. But particularly to the Gentiles. Because people before Christ thought that, you know, it was just for God's people, just for the Jewish people. And, and now they're understanding, no, Jesus came to die and save everybody, Jews and Gentiles. And Paul was specifically the apostle God chose to go to the Gentile people and share the gospel and, and bring them to faith in Christ. But this wasn't a popular message. Uh, the Jewish religious leaders of Paul's time hated Paul for the fact that he was trying to take the gospel to the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, it was the religious leaders that had Paul arrested and thrown into prison. That's why he was in prison when he wrote this letter in Rome for sharing the gospel. But Paul was saying this, listen, I'm in prison because I love Jesus and I want others to know about Jesus. And I want to reveal the mystery of Christ. I want, to, want people to know about this secret. God has told me it's time for people to know the plan about Jesus and the church. Now, Paul had not always taken this responsibility seriously. As a matter of fact, when you first meet Paul in the Bible, his name wasn't Paul. It was what, church? It was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jew himself. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was a, a, a rabbi among rabbis. And so this was one of the most unlikely people to be asked by God to go and share his faith with Gentiles, but that's what God did because one day Paul was on a journey actually to go persecute more Christians on the road to Damascus and God saved him and God turned his life around and he said, now you're going to go and share what I've done in your life. You're going to tell people about Jesus and he gave him this stewardship, this dispensation, this responsibility, but it cost Paul his life to share about Jesus and the mystery and the secret of the church. And, and I wonder, what is it costing us today to tell people about Jesus? Are, are we willing to share the secret, the mystery? And, and what's it costing us? Because it's important to God. The mystery was made known, first of all, to Paul. Number two in your outline, it was made known not only to Paul, but it was made known to the Gentiles. It was Paul's responsibility to take the mystery and the secret of Jesus to the Gentiles. In verse six, he says this, Paul says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. This we talked about last week, Jew and Gentile being one body, the church, and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace God gave to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of the saints. He's probably remembering that I used to kill Christians. Now I'm bringing people to Christ. This grace was given that I should preach among who? Church? The Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, the mystery, the secret, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God, from the beginning in the Old Testament, who created all things through Jesus Christ. This mystery that was once a secret and unknown, now it was to be made known, not only to Paul, but to the Gentiles. He says, I've been given the mystery of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came to this earth to, to save us, to die for us, and that we can all be made one in Christ and be part of God's family and part of God's church and have all the promises and riches 
applied not just to Israel but to all of us. And this would have been incredibly great news to those people who were in Ephesus that Paul is writing to. These were people who when Paul showed up in Ephesus, they were in the Roman Greek world and there were over 30 different temples and idols to false gods that they were worshiping. They were heathens, they were pagans, they, they were Gentiles, they didn't know God, they didn't know Christ. And, and they would be trying to worship these false gods and idols every day and try to find some kind of satisfaction and pleasure and hope of eternity and forgiveness of sins. And yet they're praying and talking to, to dead gods and dead idols and Paul comes in and he says, you guys could put away your idols. You can put away your dead gods and your, your, your false religions. There's only one God and he's alive and he's got a son named Jesus. And if you put your faith in him, you can have eternal life and you can be saved. And this would have been great news. You guys get to tap into the unsearchable riches of Christ spiritually. And all of the promises in the Bible, they're not just for Jews. They're also for the Gentiles. They're for you guys. And they were set free from their bondage of their false religions and false gods and false idols. And they were set free when the mystery and the secret of Jesus was revealed to them. You know, I, I had the privilege to go to our most recent Celebrate Recovery graduation a couple of weeks ago. It was our second class we've held here at Orchard Church. It's for people who are struggling with hurts and habits and hang-ups in their life. And we bring them in and they go through a 16-week, very intense you got to be very dedicated to, to finish this, but they, they go through this, and then at graduation, each one of them, there were about 14 of them, they get up and they read their testimony, and they talk about how they were in bondage and slavery to all these different hurts and habits and hang-ups in their life, but now they've tapped into the unsearchable riches of Christ, and He's changed their life, and He's freed them, and they're forgiven, and they're free, and it's just incredible to, to hear their testimonies. That's what Paul's talking about here. The mystery of what we tap into when we come to faith in Christ. And because of our faith in Jesus, we've been given access to the same spiritual riches as Israel. We, we are now God's people too. Now God has some specific promises to the nation of Israel collectively that don't apply to the church. I don't want anybody to get confused there. But as far as spiritually speaking, we have the same access to God as our father and daddy as the Jews do. Because of our faith in Christ. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 2.9. But you, talking to believers, you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. We're part of the same spiritual nation. Jews and Gentiles. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Who were once not a people but are now the people of who, church? People of God. Who had not obtained mercy before, but now have attained mercy. That's the revealing of the mystery, the revealing of the secret. We are now known by God and we know God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. The mystery, the secret has been made known to us. We're in on this. We're known. So this mystery was made known to Paul. It was made known to the Gentiles. But there's a third group of people this mystery. God wants it to be made known to. And this one might surprise you. It, this mystery has been made known to the angels, to the angels in heaven. Look at what Paul says in verse 10. He says, not only do I know about this mystery in secret, not only did I have responsibility to take it to the Gentiles, but the angels, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by, by who? By the church. Who's the church? We are, as believers in Christ. And who is the church making this mystery known? To the principalities and powers where do, they, where do they reside? 
in heavenly places. Who are these principalities and powers in heavenly places? They're the angels. They're the angelic beings. Paul is saying this mystery, this secret about faith in Christ and Jesus and the church and the family of God, not only do I know about it and Gentiles know about it, but the angels in heaven know about it now. They've been learning this. They've been watching this. You know, Christmas is a time where we talk a lot about angels. We sing about angels. We sang this morning, Hark the Herald, Angels sing. Why, why, why do we talk about angels so much at Christmas? We know it was an angel that came to Joseph and told him about Mary, you know, being pregnant with the Christ child. We know that the night that Jesus was born, the shepherds were abiding in the fields, over, watching over their flocks by night, and, and then the heavens were filled, the sky was filled with angelic beings telling them about the birth of Christ, praising God and worshiping God, and you have all these angels in the Christmas story. Well, Paul's talking here in Ephesians about angels getting in on the secret, finding out about this mystery, because here's the deal. Even the angels didn't know the secret of the mystery of the church, that Jew and Gentile would become one family and and one church together. I think sometimes we, we think that the angels have the same powers that God have, but they don't, and nor does Satan, because all the angels are created beings, created by God. Satan was a created angelic being named Lucifer before he fell. And we give him too much credit. And even maybe the angels sometimes. You see, there's only one who's omniscient, all-knowing, and that's God. There's only one who's omnipotent, all-powerful, and that's God. There's only one that's omnipresent. That means he can be everywhere at the same time. That's God. See, we give the devil too much credit. People say, well, the devil made me do it. As if the devil is showing up everywhere. No, he, he's only one person can be one place at one time. And the angels were created beings, and they didn't have the omniscience of God. They weren't all-knowing. They've kind of watched this thing play out in the Bible the same way a lot of us have. And in the Old Testament, the angels just saw the nation of Israel and Jewish people, and they didn't understand about the church and the rapture and, and, and Jesus coming. They kind of watched this thing play out. Listen to how Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 4, 9. He says, for we have been made a spectacle to the world. The we here is Christians, the church. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, we've been made a spectacle to the world is watching both to angels and to men. I'm sure the angels were very confused by the Christmas story. When God left his throne to become a man, God in the flesh, Jesus, and he was born in a manger. He grew to be a man that at the age of 33 was falsely accused, arrested, beaten, spat upon, mocked, crown of thorns put on his head, was almost dead, but then they nailed him to a cross, put a spear in his side. The angels are watching all this, probably wondering, what are you doing, God? What's going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? Then they watch him die, and the angels are ready to probably leave heaven to go rescue him. You remember what Satan said? You could send, call your angels down, but they didn't. He's buried, he's put in the tomb, but on the third day he rises again. He, he, he conquers death and hell and sin for all of us. And then from that point forward, everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And the angels are like, oh, now we understand. Now the mystery, the secret is being revealed. And now Jew and Gentile are made one in Jesus Christ. This is why it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, that there, likewise he says, I say there's joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. I sometimes uh, comment on this when, at the end of a service when someone accepts Christ that a party just started in heaven. 
A celebration breaks out in heaven when, when even one person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because they understand the mystery and the secret of what Jesus did and what he made possible. That's a reason to party, amen? That's a reason to celebrate what Jesus has made possible for Jew and Gentile alike. So this mystery was made known to Paul. It was made known to the Gentiles. It was made known to the angels. But it doesn't stop there. Notice back in verse 9 what Paul says. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. How many people should know about this mystery and secret? All. Not some. Not most. All. This mystery should be made known to all. To everybody. Look at verse 11, what Paul says, how he finishes this passage. He says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Now, Jew and Gentile alike, we all have the same access to our father, to our daddy. And then he wraps it up by saying this, therefore, because I've just told you about this great mystery and secret that's been revealed and what Jesus did for everybody, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul's saying, I know I'm in prison for telling the secret and telling the mystery and telling people about Jesus, but I don't care. I don't care. That's what God called me to do. That's what God, God sent me to do because God wants everybody to know about Jesus. God wants everybody to know about the family of God, the church. He says, I know I'm in prison, but don't lose heart. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be okay. It's all worth it. Because people are getting saved. This was Paul's calling. This was Paul's responsibility. This was Paul's dispensation. This was his stewardship that everyone would know about Jesus. But it doesn't end there. God wants everybody to know. And I've said throughout this study, because we're, we're answering the question, who do you think you are? Who are we? Paul's teaching us week after week with these I am statements. Who are we in Christ? And today it's I am known. And I've said this before. Our identity should affect our what, church? Our activity. All right? I'm going to keep asking you guys that, so be ready to say that every week. Our identity in Christ is not something we just go, oh, cool. Okay, I know all these things about me now that I'm a Christian. I know I'm blessed. I know I'm appreciated. I know I'm saved. I know I'm reconciled. I know I'm known. But it's not something we should just keep to ourselves. Our identity should affect our activity. God wants us to do something with what we now know. And we now are understanding what Paul understood, this secret and this mystery about Jesus and what he did for us and what he's done for everyone who will accept him. And Paul says something very interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and listen to what he says. Let a man so consider who? Us. Everybody say us. You know who the us is here? Us. It's believers in Jesus Christ. He says, everybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ, pay attention. Let a man so consider us as Christians. Paul doesn't say here me. He does in Ephesians. But here he says us. As servants of Christ. Who are servants of Christ? Us. We are. And not only are we servants of Christ, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Did you catch that? We have the same stewardship that Paul had. Paul's been talking about this stewardship, this responsibility to share the mystery and the secret of Jesus. And then in Corinthians he says, by the way, we all have this stewardship as Christians. 
We all have this responsibility. We're stewards. We're responsible for the mystery of God. Moreover, it's required of stewards that we be found what, church? Faithful. Faithful stewards of what? Of the secret, of the mystery of Jesus and why he came here in the first place. I told you guys I have a secret. Are you ready for me to tell you my secret? Okay, here's my secret. I see dead people. No, I do. I see dead people. When I look around my neighborhood and I see people that don't know Jesus Christ, they are physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. They think everything is okay, but it's not. Didn't we learn this in Ephesians chapter 2? He made us alive who were what, church? Dead in our trespasses. When I look at family members that don't know Christ, I don't just see them as a family member. I see them as someone who's dead spiritually that needs to be brought to life. They need to have the mystery and the secret of Jesus revealed in their life. When I see people in our community right here where we live that don't know Jesus, good people, loving people, wonderful people, some of the nicest people in the world, but when they don't know Jesus, I see a dead person. That's the way God wants us to see the world around us. We need to put on our spiritual eyes, the eyes that Paul had, that says people around us that don't know Christ are dead. And they need to be brought to life. Amen? They need to have the mystery, the secret of Jesus and why he came revealed to them. God had a secret. God had a mystery. He kept it a secret in the church for a long time. But he doesn't want it to be a secret any longer. He wants it to be made known by those who are known. And I ask you this question. Who do you know that needs Jesus? Who do you know that needs to know the secret? The secret of Jesus and why he came and why he died. And what will you do about it? Will you be faithful to take the responsibility to share your faith with them the way Paul was responsible? One of the things I love about the Christmas season is the opportunity of Christmas. I think it's one of the greatest times of the year that we have the opportunity to share our faith in Christ to see dead people come to life. Because see, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to bring dead people to life. And there's a difference. And we have opportunities at Christmas. People are, people are talking about Christmas. People are planning for Christmas and having Christmas parties and putting up Christmas lights and wrapping presents and having office parties. Why not take advantage of that? You can simply share your faith by asking people this question. What does Christmas mean to you? You're in a a conversation about Christmas. What does it mean to you? And just listen to what they say. And then say, well, let me tell you what Christmas means to me. I didn't always understand what Christmas meant. It was once a mystery and a secret, but now I understand it's about Jesus. It's about God sending his son to die for us so we could have eternal life and a relationship with the God we were separated from because of sin. I'd love to tell you more about him. I'd love to let you in on the secret. I'd love to let you in on the mystery because he came not just for me, he came for for you. And I know that a lot of times when 
I, I challenge you all to, to share your faith in Christ. People get nervous and they're like, oh, I don't know the Bible like you do, Pastor Doug. I don't know the verses and what if I mess it up? Listen, when all else fails, let me tell you one of the easiest ways to share your faith in Christ. Share your story. Tell them how Jesus saved you. Tell them what Jesus did in your life. Nobody can tell that story better than you. Nobody, amen? I can't tell that story better than you. It's not my story, it's your story. Tell them how you came to faith in Christ. Tell them how he was revealed and made known in your life. And you know what? If you're afraid to even do that, then invite them to church. Because if you invite them to church, you know there's not a service that goes by here that we don't tell them about Jesus. And give them an opportunity to put their faith and trust in Christ. We've got some great opportunities to do that. Uh, first opportunity that we have, well, of course, every Sunday is an opportunity, but as far as Christmas, we have Christmas Sunday, December 22nd, the Sunday right before Christmas. We'll take a break from Ephesians. We'll pick it back up at the first of the year. I'll do a, a special Christmas message. I, I'm calling it the purpose of Christmas, and it's going to be very evangelistic. I encourage you to invite those people, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Let's see every seat filled on Christmas Sunday with people that need in on the secret, that need to know the mystery of Jesus. And then let's, let's take advantage of a night where, you know, people sometimes, they only go to church a couple of times a year. You know, we call them EC people, Eastern Christmas. That's okay. We'll take advantage of that. They're going to be here Christmas Eve, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 45-minute service. It's going to be quick, but it's going to be powerful. It's going to be one of the most creative presentations of the gospel and the Christmas story you've ever seen. If you've got people in your life that are spiritually dead that need Christ, make sure they're here. When you leave this morning, we're going to give you an invite card. All of you. We're going to give you a couple of these. Take as many as you'd like. We've got plenty of them. Take these and use these as opportunities to invite someone. Because you're not just inviting them to church. You're inviting them to get in on the mystery. To get in on the secret. To have Jesus Christ revealed in their life. That's what Christmas is about. You know, it amazes me when I read statistics about how few Christians ever share their faith or invite someone to church. Uh, Tom Rainer wrote a book called The Unchurched Next Door. Here's some statistics out of this book that I hope will challenge us this morning. He said 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited. There's an 82% chance if you invite someone, they will come. That's pretty good odds. Here's another one. Only 2%, unfortunately, of church members invite an unchurched person to church. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. 98%. That ought not be said of Orchard Church if we understand our responsibility. Amen? I do think that number is much higher. You guys are great about inviting people, but I think it could be better. I think it should be 100%. 100% of us should be inviting people to church. The number one reason people come to church is because of a personal invitation. Number one reason. We can do all kinds of, you know, stickers and billboards and this and that, but the number one reason people come to church is because somebody that cares about them invites them. Seven out of ten unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives. Let's change that this Christmas. It's an opportunity to share the mystery and the secret that God wants to be re revealed to everybody. The church is the mystery that was important to Paul. It was important to the Gentiles, important to angels, and it ought to be important to us. And it's all about the church. You know, a lot of people today are trying to downplay the importance of the church. But let me remind you, it was the church that Jesus died for. That's pretty important, amen? It's the church 
that God is using to reach people for Christ. It is the church that Jesus is going to come back for at the rapture. That's why the church ought to be important to us. That's why it's important to, to attend. Good job. You're off to a good start today. But not just attend, but to serve, to become a member, to give. So you, you're, you're a part of people's lives being changed. To be in a small group, not just having church on Sunday morning, but throughout the week with other believers. Getting involved in discipleship where we take the commission that was given to the church. And we take it seriously and we make disciples. And, and that we bring other people to church to hear the mystery. And that it's not hidden. Because God wants everybody to know. I was reminded of a story this last week as I was preparing for this message of a, a young couple that had just had their first baby. It was a baby boy. And the little boy was about to celebrate his one-year-old birthday. And that's a big one. He was turning one. And so this young couple decided to invite all their friends and family members and neighbors and coworkers to this big birthday party celebration for their little boy that was turning one-year-old. And he was born in January, so it felt about like it does this morning outside. And they invited all these people over in the evening, and as they showed up, everybody was bundled up with coats and hats and gloves and scarves. And as they began to arrive, there was a bedroom to the right of the front door, and the mom said, yeah, just throw your, take your coat off, just throw it on the bed, throw your scarves, your gloves, just, just throw them all on the bed. And it was piling up on the bed, and come on in to this birthday celebration for our little boy who's turning one. People started coming in and music was playing and decorations were everywhere. And there was hors d'oeuvres and appetizers and food. And everybody was just having a great time. Just hanging out and celebrating. And then the, the mom went and she got the birthday cake with the little one candle on it. Gonna have, sing a little happy birthday to their little boy who was one. And she brings the cake out and the little boy is nowhere to be found. And they start looking around and they start, well, have you seen him? I haven't seen him. I haven't, and nobody had seen him since they got there. They'd just been having a fun time at this birthday celebration, but the star of the show was nowhere to be found. And they begin to look and then they begin to get frantic. You know, did, did he wander out through the door when we opened it? Where's he at? And they, they went from room to room and closet to closet. And finally the mother went to the, the last bedroom by the door where there's this big pile of coats and gloves and scarves. And she began to throw them off the bed and... Laying underneath all of it was the little boy asleep. He had fallen asleep and people had just covered him up and he was hidden when it's time to celebrate his birthday. You know, it's Christmas and we're doing all these celebrations and all of these things, but if we're not careful, we'll miss the star of the show. Jesus will be hidden and it's his birthday. Let's not hide Jesus this Christmas. Amen? Let's make him known. Let's take advantage of the opportunity of this season because it's all about Jesus. And God doesn't want him to be a secret. He wants him to be made known by those of us who are known. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With your heads bowed for just a moment as we reflect on the message. Let me ask you this very personal and challenging question to those of you who are known. Those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. Will you take personal responsibility this Christmas to share the mystery with others, to make sure the secret and mystery of Jesus is revealed to those who do not know him, because to those who do not know him, he's still a mystery. Oh, they may know about him, but they don't really know him. Will you invite someone to church? Will you be faithful, a faithful steward of this message? Let me ask you this, who has God laid on your heart that 
needs Jesus? Who in your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, a friend, they need to have the secret of mystery of Jesus revealed? Can I pray for you, Christians? Can I pray for you? You'd say, yes, there's somebody I know that needs Jesus. And would you pray for me that God would give me the boldness and the opportunity to share Jesus with them this Christmas or at least invite them to church where they can hear the message? Can I pray for you, Christians? Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? Lift them up high. Thank you, thank you. Hands in every section. Thank you. I hope all of you will have somebody. If If you right now honestly just say, I don't know who I would talk to, then would you pray right now and say, God, would you... Bring somebody into my life. Reveal to me that person at work or my neighborhood or family that doesn't know Christ. Would you, would you show them? Would you point them out to me? Lay them on my heart because I don't want you to be a secret and a mystery this Christmas. I want people to know about you. Let me pray for all of you believers. Jesus, Lord Jesus, I, I just pray for all of us as Christians that we would take the opportunity this Christmas to make you known by those of us who are known by you. That we would not keep you a secret and a mystery any longer, that we would open our mouths like Paul, and that we would boldly proclaim the good news of what you did for us, and how you want to save people, and Lord, lay people on our heart, give us opportunities in our sphere of influence to invite people to church, to tell people about Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would not make the mistake of getting so caught up in the celebration of Christmas that you are buried and covered up and hidden, instead of revealed. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He wants to make Himself known to you today. He doesn't want to be a secret or mystery in your life anymore. He wants you to know Him and He wants to know you. All you have to do is open your heart by faith and invite Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. I can lead you in a prayer that you can pray right now in faith in belief from your seat, from your heart to God's right now. It's, it's not the prayer you say. It's not the words you say. It's the faith behind it. It's the belief. The Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, one day he was in an, another prison. And a man asked him this question. said, Paul, what do I need to do to be saved? How do I get eternal life? How do I get to go to heaven? And here's what Paul said. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Just believe. Paul said in another passage, call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. We call on those we believe in. If you're ready to do that today, I know it's the Christmas season. You could right now receive the greatest gift you'll ever receive. The gift of salvation. The gift of forgiveness. And if you're ready to receive that gift, would you pray this prayer of faith with me right now? Right where you sit, from your heart to Jesus. And it goes like this. Jesus I call on you today. I believe in you. I believe you came to this earth to go to a cross to die for my sins, to pay for my sins, to forgive me. And Jesus, I today, by faith, ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I don't want you to be a secret and mystery in my life any longer. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life that costs me nothing but costs you everything. Thank you. 
And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody. With no one to look around for just a moment. If you just prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time to invite Jesus into your life, I want to pray for you personally. I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray for you and that you grow in your walk and your relationship with Jesus from this day forward. Would you just slip up your hand right now and just say, yes, pray for me, Pastor Doug. I put my faith in Jesus today. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today to invite Jesus into my life for the first time. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Jesus, we celebrate with the angels in heaven that are celebrating right now. As we read today, there's joy in the presence of the angels over one person making the decision for Christ. And we celebrate that and we praise you for that and we thank you for lives being changed, that people have moved from death to life in our midst this morning. And we pray, Lord, that it wouldn't just happen this morning in this service, but that we would see a continual wave of people coming to Christ throughout this Christmas season. As we as individuals and as, as a church, we do everything that we can to let the mystery and the secret of the gospel out into our community. And that this would be a Christmas where hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. Thank you for those who accepted you this morning. May they grow in the grace and knowledge of you. May we help them as a church to disciple them in their walk with you in the days ahead. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for revealing the secret and the mystery of Jesus to all of us. Thank you that we get to be a part of your family, your church, and to know that one day you're coming again to get us. And we love you, and we look forward to that day, and we praise you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning? Let's celebrate that.